beloveds, welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, and even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, in liberation? What wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these troubled, violent times of pandemics and racial capitalism and the beauty of resistance? I am Reverend Kelsey Beebe, pronouns she, her, hers. I am an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ and I serve as a local pastor at two UCC churches just south of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, as well as the executive minister of the nonprofit Dancing Pastor Ministries, and I host the Lady Preacher Podcast, which is a podcast for progressive Christians. I live in Kenosha, Wisconsin, on the homeland of the Potawatomi peoples alongside Lake Michigan. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and is particularly designed for white Christians, white Christians talking to other white Christians about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy where we find it, including in our own Christian tradition. And we do this work remembering we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the freedom movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December, 2014, being led by minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. The word is resistance. Let us pray. God of many blessings, we pray today for hope and for peace in your world. May each person who is listening today be filled with your love and accompanied by your grace. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds today as we absorb your good news. In your name we pray. Amen. We are reading today from the New Revised Standard Version, and I invite you to listen to these words from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 20, verses 27 through 38. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman and died childless, then the second, and the third married her, and so in the same way all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham 
the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. Last week, I spent a few days in the foothills of Montana on what was originally the land of the Blackfeet tribe. We were there as a family to spread the ashes of my grandparents, and we stopped near the Dearborn River along Highway 200, where my grandmother grew up on a ranch. And all around us were beautiful snow-capped mountains, and the wind pierced our cheeks as we prayed together. And if you have ever attended a traditional Christian memorial service or burial, you have probably prayed a similar prayer that we prayed. It's a prayer of commendation. And some of the words differ depending on the denomination, but the essence is the same. And so I invite you to pray this prayer with me today so you can hear it. And I'm using the words uh, or the name of my grandmother. Lord, we give you thanks today, especially for the beautiful life of your servant, Eleanor. We thank you for the love she shared, the generous spirit she had, and the light with which she lived her life. May all who knew her carry her love with them forever. And now, O God, we give Eleanor to you. Into your hands, O merciful Savior, we commend your servant Eleanor. Acknowledge, we humbly pray, a sheep of your own fold, a lamb of your own flock, and a daughter of your own redeeming. Receive her into the arms of your mercy, into the blessed rest of everlasting peace, and into the company of the saints in light. Amen. This prayer has been prayed, I am sure, at millions of funerals throughout many generations. And each time we utter these words, or even as we listen to them, as someone else prays them, we are praying alongside billions of others, echoing their voices, commending our loved ones over to their creator. I invite you, if you wish, to go back and listen to that prayer again and and sub in the name of one of your loved ones. This Sunday is All Saints Sunday, and we will say the names out loud of our beloveds who have died in the last year. And perhaps we will light candles for all our loved ones who have gone home before us. It's a time to hold space for grief and remembrance, gratitude and sorrow, to linger in that liminal space between heartache and hope, to grieve the ending of life here on earth, and to rejoice in the promise of everlasting life with God. If there's anything that loss has taught me, it is that death is the great equalizer. All human beings, no matter our wealth, our status, our race, creed, gender, sexuality, number of divorces, number of chromosomes, any of it, we are all born And we all die. And that that is the guarantee we all have. 
But here on earth, we have created these hierarchies of being. We have created structures that lift up some as superior and others as less than. We have built systems of supremacy and oppression, even in the church. But in the end, we all go home the same way to the same God who sees all of us as God's beloved. In today's gospel reading from Luke, we hear Jesus get asked a question about what happens beyond this life here on earth. A woman marries a man and he dies. Each of his brothers take the woman as his wife and with each of them, she's unable to bear a child and before each of them pass. And eventually they all pass away, including the wife. And the question at the end is, whose wife will she be when they all get to heaven? Jesus's answer can feel a little convoluted. He essentially says that in this life here on earth, we get married and all is well and good. But in the next life, there is no marriage because we are all just God's children and we're all alive in God's eyes. And in that, I hear Jesus saying there is no need for marriage because we are all bound by God's love. We are all one in God's family. In essence, we're all wed together. The Apostle Paul later echoes the sentiment in his letter to the Galatians in chapter 3, verses 26 through 28. He says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And then verse 29 says this, it says, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. We are all heirs according to the promise. So we are all family, part of the same family. And throughout the message that Christ brings, we hear this sentiment again and again, that in God's kingdom, we are all made equal, right? The mountains are brought low and the valleys are lifted up. In God's kingdom, the lowly are uplifted and the mighty are brought down. In God's kingdom, there's no place for hierarchy and oppression for all our heirs according to God's promise. All are God's children. That is what God's kingdom is supposed to look like. That we all belong to each other and are wed together. I was listening today to a podcast episode on Brene Brown's Dare to Lead podcast, and she was having a great conversation with Aiko Bithia and Rushika Tolshin. And Brene shared a story about when a manager called her after Brianna Taylor was killed, and he said he felt like he should say something at work, particularly for the sake of the Black folks in the room. And Rushika offered a reflection that in those moments, she said, I want to say whiteness doesn't allow so many people to let us feel that in our hearts as if it's one of our own. She said, it's either your community is being attacked or my community is being attacked. It's not our collective community. And that really struck me 
about our collective community. Anytime a life is taken from this earth, it is not just your loss or my loss, but it is ours. Death is the one thing that should bring all of us to our knees together. Like when Lazarus dies and Jesus sees the whole crowd in mourning and it brings him to weep. It wasn't just their loss. It was his loss too. And that's how it is and should be in God's kingdom, right? It is, it is collective. We try to live in this world as divided people. When all God really wants for us is to realize just how connected we all are, that we are all part of this same family. It's that spirit of Ubuntu. I am because you are. We don't exist in isolation from each other. We exist in community. And within that community, we are called to see just how interconnected we are. You are mine and I am yours and we belong to each other, both in life and in death. And that is why in Luke's gospel, Jesus says that in God's kingdom, we are wed to each other. Traditionally, around the celebration of all saints, it is understood that the veil between this life and the next is very thin. And in that thinness, my prayer is that we let some of that equity seep from God's kingdom in heaven to God's kingdom here on earth, that it seeps through. I pray that we see how interconnected we all are, not just in death, but in life here on earth. You know, the, the church's role on earth is not to convert more and more people over to Christ. The church's role is to love and honor all people, to affirm the value and goodness of each and every person. Jesus prays before his death in the gospel of John that we might all be one as he and God are one. And so my prayer is that as the church, we begin and continue to live into that prayer for oneness. I want to close today with a quote from an essay by Debbie Thomas. Um, it's an essay she wrote about All Saints Sunday back in 2018 that I think speaks to this message in this moment. She writes, This week, Christians around the world celebrate all souls and all saints. In a world that fears, cheapens, and desecrates death, the church invites God's people to linger at the grave in grief, remembrance, gratitude, and hope. In a world that mistreats and abuses countless men, women, and children, the church affirms the value of every single soul, every single life. In a world that privileges the individual, the church honors the deep interconnectedness of God's family across time, culture, history, and eternity. Yes, it's true. In the midst of life, we are in death. But all souls and all saints remind us of a deeper truth. In the midst of death, 
we are promised life. For today's call to action, I invite you to simply light a candle, light a candle in honor of those who have gone home to God before you. I know on this podcast, our standard calls to action are towards social justice efforts, but I think those efforts also call for times of honoring collective grief and loss. And so today I invite you to light a candle to allow yourself to be in that space of grief and sorrow, feeling that thinness of the veil between this life and the next. And if you feel so moved to offer a prayer, whatever that prayer might be. As we close, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for showing up, for listening, for being an important part of this work. Thank you to each person who is part of our recording team at Surge Faith. And thank you to our incredible sound editor, Claire Hitchens, who makes the magic happen every week. And now, my friends, I invite you as we close to receive this blessing. May you go forth into your day, into your week, into your life, knowing that you are one of God's beloved children. May you sense God within you and around you. And may you feel the interconnectedness with all of God's creation, both in this life and the next. May you go forth held in the loving arms of our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. Go in peace. Amen.